Hey, Sarah, did you watch the Apple event yesterday? Yes, it was so fun. It felt like normal life almost, you know? I wasn't at the event, but just kind of like disconnecting and worrying about IMAX. Colorful IMAX was kind of fun. Yeah, I don't mind having these these moments of like, oh, Apple's keeping us in this sense of like, oh, the world's still moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's like... I don't know. For me, it's a tradition that I've been watching Apple events since way before it mattered. And I wonder how much normal people still do that. Like, how did Apple events become the tech Super Bowl where we just kind of all tune in? Like, it's, I I don't know. I think it's sort of amazing how much it's acknowledged. Like, imagine if every time there's a LG event, your whole Twitter feed was filled <laughs> up with it. I know. And even, even like I was getting texts from my parents, like my mom was like, uh, she screenshotted <laughs> a Twitter, like a tweet from Marquez where he basically called him ugly. And she was like, I thought they were cool. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, no, I mean, yeah, yeah it's watch. once your parents start like, you know, tweeting about it and stuff. Um, it's, it's interesting. Cause I feel like with COVID it kind of accelerated them being cool of course people always tuned in for iphone events but when it's not actually live they they make them so entertaining that i think it's easier for for now normals to tune in to be entertained you know it's a tight hour and then they're out they're like okay cool you know i i'm yeah, gonna pick it, up some air tags kind of like more like tv now it's a little less yeah. like yeah it's like uh it was more like an award show format before or something and now it's you know like uh I don't know, a series of shorts. It's like with a bunch of comedy mixed in and a very yeah. expensive, good looking cinematography. Yeah. I'm so glad they went the route of like a proper, essentially like short film vibe instead of still doing it live and then just broadcasting it from Steve Jobs theater. I think that yeah. is super smart because that's what makes it so entertaining. But you know, what's funny is I, I say that it's like the awards show and this is more like a movie, but this year the Oscars says they're going to make it look more like a movie as well. Like Steven Soderbergh is directing it and he's like, yeah, it's going to feel cinematic. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I don't That but will be interesting. All of a sudden well, awards shows to, will be movies too. I'm telling you, they have to spice that up because award shows, especially during these times, does anyone care? I mean, like they, I didn't they have to watch do something. Any of them this year? Yeah. Like all of the from home, you know, people kind of streaming from their webcams. Yeah, it's like I who looked, cares? I Although looked at the them Grammys performances I was curious about the production were cool. Went. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, I saw the I saw the highlights. I saw the best ofs, but yeah, yeah. The some of those Grammys performances were were really cool, and it was well mixed and stuff. But when it comes to movie awards and stuff, I'm like, man, I'm like watching Thunder Force on Netflix. I don't even know half of these. <laughs> movies i'm like so uncultured um i should probably work on that yeah to me all that came out last year was eurovision and that's that's all i remember see i haven't <laughs> seen that uh, congress is godzilla um well if anybody doesn't know sarah dici is a youtuber who was here a long time ago back when this show was in its infancy um and i was on your show too which is uh on pause at the moment i believe is, mm -hmm. is that the case mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you mentioned I was talking about podcasts with uh, Dave Mays and it, it just got to the point where it was cutting into my main channel. And it was one of those things that obviously my main channel is my job, but it's also what I enjoy the most. I love talking to people and interviewing people, but the amount of time I was putting into it, um, the, the ratio of that to the attention it was getting slash uh, you know, opportunities that came from like, 
sitting down, talking and out, talking to someone who is awesome for an hour is always worth it. Um, but I, I just had to start being like, okay, this can't come back until I figure out a way to do this sustainably. Cause interview podcast too is just so hard. Um, cause you're constantly having oh, to I schedule know. people. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you understand. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I like what you're doing here because that's what I was talking to Dave about. I was like, okay, I really, so I interviewed Meet Kevin. He's a finance YouTuber and he has this like awesome switching setup. And so when I interviewed him, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I could do for that creative life to bring it back in a sustainable way to where, hey, I'm not even going to worry about a schedule, but I essentially, you know, I could do it live. So it's already on its YouTube channel. And then if a moment stands out, I mean, I'm just going to forget about the clips, the full and the clips channel. But if a moment stands out, I'm just going to like recut that up and make it a YouTube video, like on my main channel, the Sarah Dietschy channel. So it took me a while to kind of figure that out in my head and I still haven't started it back, but I think that's where I've landed. You can let me know how the, the live streaming thing has gone for you. Well, pretty good. I mean, like I was saying at the start of this, we record these live to tape effectively. So I don't really think about the fact that we are live too much. The point of it is to capture something and not really edit it. So we're getting the video edit done right away. Um, I do do a, like a, I'm still doing a rough pass on the audio where we'll like do the ducking so that you don't hear our mics in between stuff like that, uh, remove some noise if necessary, but, um, a lot less editing. I'll say that you don't, you're not getting away with it for free though. Like the time there is definitely still a few extra hours and I've gone through all that same thought process of like, this isn't the channel. Well, and for me, it, it's more about the audio for me than, than the uh, video side, but it's not the place that is the job, you know, like the numbers are totally different. Um, podcasting can make great sponsorship money if you scale it to a certain point. I think the difference between me and again, uh, the, you're referring to an episode you did with Dave Mays. So if anybody wants to hear a lot more talk about this, uh, there's a great episode on Dave's, Dave Mays's podcast about this. Um, but the challenge becomes that like you're you're putting a lot of time into something that is relatively smaller. It's going to be harder to grow it bigger. But the difference was that you were saying that like to you, you're not is that I like love podcasts. Like podcasts are my main entertainment. So having like an audio show, like that's audio first, is just my favorite thing. And so that's why I kind of wanted to do it no matter what, even if it's not the biggest, because I just really like passive audio only entertainment. Um, so I'm like, I'm, yeah, I'm I went the opposite, I man. So I was much. like, cause I, you know, you have all these people like in your corner being like how you get the sponsorship money is audio only grow the Apple podcast, the Spotify audio, audio, audio. And I'm like, okay, but those platforms, it's so hard to grow. And I'm also a YouTuber and I like the visual medium. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of going the opposite too, where I'm like, how do I make this more visually enticive? How do I go YouTube first? Cause it's like YouTube is where the growth is and it's where, um, the, like the easy monetization, of course, Google AdSense isn't the best, but I can instantly start monetizing there. I don't have to worry about, um, you know, like the two minute ad reads where I'm just like, Hey guys, this podcast is sponsored by, cause I also notice I love podcasts too. How I listen to them is I go skip, skip, whether it's Spotify. That was me doing yeah, my Spotify yeah. skip or the Apple podcast skip where it's like 30 seconds, 30 seconds, 30 seconds. Um, so, so yeah, it's so weird being a consumer of podcasts, but also trying to figure out, okay, how can I make this 
to where I enjoy creating it. It's not that hard to produce, but it's also video first too. But everyone's everyone's different, you know. Yeah, there's so many things you can do. Well, you set up a perfect segue there for talking about the event again. Apple Podcasts is now doing a subscription for pay model where, so they weren't really clear in what they said on stage. So I looked some of this up afterwards, Um, but basically, and there's still one thing I'm not clear about, but uh, basically, yeah, you're able to charge your audience for like premium shows. And as a creator, yeah, let's find out more about it. Cause I'm still trying to, to learn a little, but um, the, you pay $20 for like a, an account, the correct kind of Apple account, kind of like an Apple developer account, $20 a year. And then there is a, a 70-30 split for the first year of your show. And then for subsequent years, it's 85-15 split. So you're giving some money to Apple. That first year split sounds like a lot. Like that's pretty, that's pretty steep price. Um, but, you know, I was looking into doing exactly this. Like I have some ideas that I've been wanting to do forever of like premium shows. Um, and there's some great options out there already. Like it's this Apple isn't the only way to do it. And my big concern that I don't know about yet is are the Apple premium shows going to be available on all podcast players? Like, can I listen on overcast and Castro and like, is it an RSS feed? Cause I don't want it's, anything. They, that's they said it's not RSS. Yes. Yeah, so is it Apple sure... podcasts only? That's what I'm afraid of. Yes. And that was the the biggest shocker is, you know, none of this is via RSS. So I don't know if that statement was via for like uploading, you know, so maybe they're saying, oh, um, you can't have this version on Apple Podcasts if you're using an RSS uploader. Um, or if that means, okay, also you can't distribute it via RSS because that was the, the biggest shocker. And what's interesting is you look at the, man, I wish I had my computer set up so I could show it. We're close, guys. Um, but when you look at the analytics and how you view it, it's very similar to like the analytics of Simplecast. Um, I think this is going to be interesting to see people just like go straight through Apple Podcasts now for uploading things. Um, and it's funny with the people were like getting kind of upset with the the split. And I don't know, I guess for there, there it is. Um I guess for being a YouTuber, you're just so used to like Google taking all of your money where I'm like, that doesn't sound so bad, you know, 30% the first year and then it goes down to 15. Um, I guess it's different when it's, you know, subscriptions directly from your audience. That is different because, you know, you're facilitating most of that. It's not Google going out and getting ads from companies for for your videos. Um, So of course it's a little bit different, but I think that's, that's fine that they, you know, they drop it down to, to 15%. But like you, like you said, this is the thing that's weird about podcasts right now is it's becoming very insular. If all of these features and everything, well, obviously the features are unique to Apple podcasts, but if you can't shoot it off to the other platforms, um, podcast is just becoming what podcasts have never been exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah, beauty no, of podcasts the- is the RSS feed. <laughs> I, I, it's so frustrating that the all these companies don't acknowledge that the, the it's a good thing that we don't have a YouTube of podcasts. Like that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because it's like uh, they try it, though because you it, can't make money. Yeah, I know. If it's not that, it's, how are you going to make it, the billions it, of dollars? It's like for people that the whole internet is Facebook to them because they don't understand that there's an open web with like millions of websites <laughs> out there that anybody can create. Like 
but you just live on Facebook. That's what, you know, Spotify wants to do. And, you know, Apple's not really doing that, but this is a step in that direction. Um, Apple has been the way that we've had it open before because the Apple uh, iTunes podcast directory is the biggest and everybody's always been there and it's free. And that's, they've let that kind of become an open ecosystem. And I just really hope that continues to exist because users don't necessarily think about this, right? They're not worried about like, am I keeping this open so that small creators can still grow? Because most of our favorite shows wouldn't exist if they had to, you know, already be big. Like, you know, we're not all NPR here, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, and I think people also, they downplay YouTube as a big part of this um, when it was so weird to see the announcement of Joe Rogan going to Spotify and the way he framed it was so weird. And then everyone was like, oh yeah, you're going to go to Spotify and you won't have to worry about like freedom of speech and they're just going to be like the best. And I was sitting here, I'm like, whoa, 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 guys. Okay. YouTube has its issues, but in terms of like, I don't know, YouTube, Twitter, Spotify, when you start comparing kind of um, those different platforms in terms of what you can say, I'm like, YouTube is one of the best. I think YouTube gets like, gets a lot of crap because they're in the center of a lot of these conversations because they have to make tough decisions sometimes. But like the only thing that they've ever done is like take down an Alex Jones episode. Joe went to Spotify and they took 70 episodes down. And I don't think... Like when it comes to podcasts, it only being on one platform, just, yeah, I guess what we're talking about, I think is not good. It, like if it's one platform, you know, uh, if it's Apple podcasts or YouTube, maybe someone who, or a platform that people are used to and always on, but even Spotify, I don't listen to podcasts. I'm like, that's my mute. That's where I listen to music. It's, it's hideous once you start, um, you know, saving other things and trying to navigate other places and the way they do their ads and Oh, it's a mess. I could probably talk about podcasts for like this. Oh my god, I know. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll try not to. I know. I realize it's kind of inside baseball because most people listening to podcasts yeah. don't make podcasts. Um, but yeah. I'll, I'll just spell it out one more time for anybody that hasn't thought about this before because I think it's it's important to think about. Like right now, anybody can just go and either for free with Anchor, or you can put a, cl- a computer in your closet and set up a podcast as easily as a website. And that is amazing for the the variety of voices that we have in the world. That's how so many small shows were able to develop and become big shows. Even Joe Rogan wouldn't be where he was uh, or is now if he had to already have the Spotify deal. Like he was a celebrity, but he probably wouldn't have got signed for some big Spotify deal out of nowhere, right? Like what we want is an environment where we can all jump in there just like with YouTube and kind of prove ourselves like you do something interesting. And that's why people listen to what you have to say is based on the merit of what you're doing. And that could go away if all of these companies kind of try to turn it into network television. So I don't know. That's what I want to avoid. Cause it's, that's, that's not, yeah. ex- that's not that's what not Apple was announcing, work. but yeah, <laughs> but exactly, it's, yeah. it is interesting. The more, cause and you know, you know, what would be interesting to talk about is, how okay we've made video for probably over a decade right for you i mean you started in photography right but you've been doing this for a while it's been that long yeah yeah and so it's weird to be doing this stuff so long and now (laughs) from the apple stage hearing these people hear the words like creating content 
and content and creators. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden we have kind of become the center of the world because people know that like this is, people are making money, right? Sarah, I just so remembered like, something. What? The iPhone 11 commercial had uh, both of our podcasts yes. in a few frames, mostly yours. Mine was cut, like totally cut off. I only, so I saw yours. Actually, this is how I found mine is people were tweeting at you like, Look at this! You're you're in the commercial. You're like, like, that's yeah. awesome. And then I watched it in slow motion. I'm like, wait a minute! That little corner is mine, <laughs> and it was cropped off. That's amazing. That was, that was such a cool moment. Yeah, such a cool moment. Um, and so it is interesting because I, I remember uh, maybe five years ago, everything was about gaming, right? Um, and so because I do you know a lot of videos with laptops or just computers in general. Not as much recently, but everything was about gaming. And then the shift happened because I was, you know, whether I was having conversations with Intel or Dell or other people, I'm like, hey, guys, you understand the this creator economy is even bigger than gaming. I think gaming even has a higher threshold to enter because one, you have to be good at gaming. And two, you have to have a lot of intense gear, right? Um, and so it has been interesting to see, oh my gosh, everyone's now paying attention to us and it's cool. They're making products exactly for us. But um, just hearing those words from the Apple stage and from everyone, creators, the creator economy, God, all these venture capitalists are now all about the creator economy all of a sudden oh interesting really guys uh clubhouse is gonna be is gonna like solve ev every problem in this world okay we'll see. Um, <laughs> so so yeah it's 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 a fun time to be alive but it's kind of like there's so many tools and there's so many options and i think that's why people are so excited about the podcast space because they they want one winner like they want yeah. whoever wins it all gets the bag but I think what they're going to struggle with is people don't want all of all of podcasts in one place, right? And the underdog is YouTube. YouTube eats everything. Podcasts, <laughs> yeah, YouTube. Like everyone's like Luminary and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm like, just YouTube. YouTube's everything. Well, and numbers wise, Apple still is by far number one. Like for all the money that Spotify is putting into it, for all the effort yeah. that everyone else has put into it, which Apple doesn't, Apple just lets it grow and they dominate <laughs> completely. So, yeah, um, all right, that, funny. let's, let's move on from podcasts. Cause we're the, uh, <laughs> you know, there's probably only one other podcaster listening. Uh, AirTags, the, the very yes. long rumored product that we've all known was coming forever. Finally dropped, uh, 30 bucks, throw it anywhere. It looks like a little challenge coin. Um, did you ever use tiles? Like, have you used this kind of product before? So I used a tile until it ran out of battery and it's literally yep. still yep. on exactly. my keychain. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and you know, I probably used it once or twice and then it just ran out of battery. Um, that's hilarious that it's still on my keychain. I should probably take that off. Um, so I think, Is you it know, the changeable battery? It Cause no, it's some not. of the tiles don't change. Yeah. Same, same here. Yeah. Mine weren't. Yeah. So I'm very stoked that the tile, you can just change the battery with a normal battery that you can find at a grocery store. That's great. That's very un-Apple like, but I think because they're talking so much about the environment nowadays, uh, they would get completely roasted if you had to just throw yeah. away a tile and buy a new one. Um, so yeah, it's like, I don't know, it's cool. And I like that they added the privacy features where essentially um, if you have a tile on you, that is not a part of your Find My iPhone, it'll essentially beep at you and it'll let you know that like, hey, 
there's a tile on you when you start moving that is not in your find my network or find my, you know, iPhone network thing. Um, so I like those. Yeah, exactly. I like those privacy features because I think people see this and it's like, Oh, you know, let's track people, which can get kind of sketchy. So I think that's very Apple of them because they're concerned about privacy. Um, but it's definitely like probably the least, well, maybe the purple iPhone is the least exciting, but I think that purple is pretty. <laughs> yeah. I, well, and it's interesting that tracking thing, it's the idea is kind of two ways. Yeah. It's so that somebody can't slip a tile into your backpack and now all of a sudden they're following you around, which is an important thing to be able to do. Um, but also it, uh, if you have lost the thing, it would also notify people that are near it. So like, let's say your backpack yes, is in a park, yeah. somebody sitting by it. I imagine there's like a time a timer going, right? So after like 15 minutes of being near this other tile, then they're notified like, oh, somebody lost something near you. But I also wonder about if you're just like hanging out in a restaurant, like what's the, okay, let's say restaurants open. <laughs> let's pretend you're hanging out in a restaurant and you're sitting next to somebody for two hours. Um, we'll eventually be like, this tile has been near you for a very long time. I guess maybe because their owner is nearby, it's okay. I don't know. I'm, yes. I'm just really curious to see how it works. Yeah, I think it's it's fine as long as like the owner is nearby and also so they would have to be far away um but also it only beeps when you like move so when there's like actual movement um but yeah i I, it's it's cool because it's like i think like you can scan it or something and it takes you to a page with a phone number so you can contact the person um or something i i forgot how they said i should probably like you know research this more since i'm making a video soon but here we are all right, bringing on a new sponsor this episode who I'm excited to have here. That is Flipboard, and they are going to be around for a little while. So good time to follow me at flipboard.com slash Stallman. And let me explain what this is all about. Flipboard was released with the first iPad. So it's an OG app, but now it is available for web and for iPhone. And what it does is, okay, you know how the last year we've been completely overwhelmed by news, like there's just way too much to keep up with. You don't know what to read. It's just this infinite flow of stuff. Flipboard is both a way of filtering that content and also viewing it in a really easy to digest and beautiful way. They spent so much time on having refined designs so that you get an experience where it's like you see headlines and photos that feel like a magazine. Like that's really what they're after is this experience flipping through something that is designed, but at the same time, they've been really smart about their curation. So there's a lot of different ways to get your information. You can either subscribe to topics. So like for me, I'm subscribed to Apple and technology and photography and cinematography. And then I'm just suggested things based on what people are posting, what other people are sharing that is consistently interesting. It's coming from sources that I already read, but I don't have to travel all over the internet to find those articles. And then you can also find follow people. So, I mean, that's why I was suggesting you follow me on there because I'll be posting things that I like either to specific topics or I can create magazines that are these, you know, curated, organized experiences of stuff that I personally find interesting, articles that I've found useful to myself, or also videos, which it has a great video viewing experience. I've been posting all of the things that I publish as well. So if you're following me there, you'll get all of my YouTube stuff just kind of appearing in your feed. Flipboard is super cool. They have a really intuitive interface and I'm very glad to bring them on board. So again, come follow me on flipboard.com slash Stallman. It's a great place to start. You can just dip your toes in there, follow a few different trends. And in future episodes, I'm going to tell you how you can be a creator on Flipboard as well. Thanks again. And back to the show. But, but yeah, I, I thought the IMAX were awesome. 
I, I, yeah. the white bezels, yeah, people are allowed to get mad at the white bezels. Yeah. But like, yeah. I don't understand people getting mad at the chin and like the colors. I'm like, guys, the iMac has always had a chin and that's the reason why it's so thin. All the computer parts are down there. That's cool. I was shocked at the response because I wasn't on Twitter when the iMac announcement started. I was just, I was just watching the feed and I wasn't looking at any social media. And then I kind of popped on like halfway through and I was shocked that everybody didn't have the same response I did of like, wow, these look amazing. Like this is so cool. The colors are beautiful. They're so punchy. I can't believe these are made out of metal. They're super thin. They're like, the shape is great. I like everything about it. My first impression was, my first impression was so positive that it just didn't, I didn't expect anybody not to like it, but there's, yeah, it seems like it's split down the middle basically. Yeah. It's one of those things with events a few people will say an opinion and that automatically becomes the opinion of everyone else, um, which is a bit annoying, but that's kind of like how the internet is, whatever. Um, I love the fun colors. I feel like Apple has been so boring for too long. Um, you know, originally with those pops of colors, with the the plastic computers, those were just like, those are so cool. So make Apple fun again. I love them. They look so thin. And look how clean those are. I'm glad they have a silver version because that's that's what I started to get nervous about is they had a ton of pictures just with the colors. And I was like, uh, there there has to be either a you know a dark gray or, or a silver. So I'm glad that exists. But I think those look great. Man, I think those look awesome. Is the orange one close enough to peach for you or does it not quite close? I don't I don't know, because look at that yellow too. That I yellow. Know, the yellow's my looks. favorite. I really like that. Yeah, I, I I really like the yellow. The the orange might be like too orange, but I don't know. That is literally like, like a a peach computer. It could be. You really kind of need two. Like I, I mean, I would love to have like a yellow and a purple. Uh, you know, maybe like a blue and orange to get a bit of that like uh, orange and teal Hollywood look going. I mean, they really look good together, so it motivates you to have more than one. But we all have to That's remember as well. Point. This is the twenty four inch. We're going to get a 27 inch eventually and I'm betting it won't be so colorful and we'll have our black bezels and stuff. So like that, I am, I'm completely sure that's still coming. So don't, don't panic too much, but yeah. And that's one of those things with this event, you know, at the end you're like, okay, this is, this is cool, but you know, where's, where's the, the new processor or where's, but it makes sense. There's one of those events where it was like, it wasn't as exciting as I wanted it to be, but it was necessary. You know, you need to get the M1s and all, and everything else. Uh, the M1 and the iPad's cool. And I think that's what a lot of people were talking about on Twitter is like, okay, we don't need iPad OS and Mac OS. Like we're, we're done. Let's merge things guys. Come on. And I think that's where Apple is still struggling is being over in windows land and being so used to two on ones. I know people hate the idea of a touchscreen on a freaking MacBook. But I'm like, guys, I, I either, I want that. I also want an iPad with Mac OS. I think obviously they want to keep it separate because they're, they're catering to very specific demographics. I, I think Apple can do both and it wouldn't upset people. It would give people even more reason to upgrade their iPad to, to upgrade a MacBook. Merge things. I want touch everywhere. I want Mac OS everywhere. I t- it's, I, it should I be totally, easy. Everything's the M1. 
I know what you mean. I don't really have that inclination. I think because I'm so, I'm so I love Mac OS in a traditional way so much. Like I'm so attached to having like the super powered desktop system that when I imagine that I'm always afraid of it being dumbed down towards the touch version, right? Like oversimplified towards iPad OS. But um, it's already, look so at I mean, it could be good. The but, last Mac OS, the last Mac OS is yeah. so it's just ready to be touched. I feel like, you know, it's already, yeah, if it, it has looks dumbed like down, it, it yeah. already has. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is like Windows hasn't, you know, they tried the whole tile thing, but they, you know, Windows 8 was terrible. But even with Windows 10, it's like they kind of just gave up on that. And it's just Windows 10 with touchscreen. And you just, it's cool when you're editing a photo and you want to do some stuff in Lightroom. Um, and, you know, maybe Apple will come up with some like, switch back and forth although that's not super apple that's just me writing a wish list um but you know windows has done it for like how long six seven years <laughs> i'm confident apple do it yeah, I mean, please it, i know it can work but i don't know well I'm, I'm, I'm a little unsure i'm unconfident about it we'll see um but overall i do feel like apple's reached the most like well-balanced uh, product lineup that they have had in years where a normal person can walk into an Apple store and it's, it's going to be, I, I think like easier than ever to choose what you actually need. It was getting really confusing. And, you know, maybe about four years ago, I was, you know, really shopping for like PCs. Like I was like, maybe, maybe I'm just done with, like, I love Mac OS more than anything, but none of the hardware is what I want. Obviously, we've had a big upswing since then. It's been on on a good track for quite a long time now. But now it's really at this like refined level where even if you don't know much about computers, you could walk in and be like, you know, um, I'm looking for a family computer and I want a bigger screen. And then you get an iMac or, you know, I'm a student and, and I need to be portable or I'm a video editor. You're going to get almost the same performance out of all of these, like very, very similar. Uh, the only real difference is going to be sustained high performance where things will get throttled if they don't have active cooling. So the MacBook Air and the iMac, or no, sorry, only the MacBook Air will eventually throttle if it starts to overheat. And then everything else that has a fan in it will be able to go longer because as it heats up, the fans will kick in and it'll cool it down. But other than that, like your overall performance is going to be fantastic on any Mac that you buy right now and you'll be able but to what do you say edit 4K if I walked in, like, yeah yeah but what if I walked in and I was like hey I love Apple I love MacBooks I want your latest and greatest but I don't tell them that I'm a premier editor it still sucks like the M1 is still very fresh and if you're not you mean it still sucks that course, you're a premier editor is that the <laughs> right roasted roasted but like think about how how big that audience is with, with Adobe products mm -hmm. and they're getting there slowly, but yeah, Premiere's well, still in beta. Totally. There's still, you know, a lot of VM software. Um, there, the software has not even gotten close to catching up. I'm glad that Final Cut and Chrome and, you know, Photoshop and Lightroom is fine right now on the M1. Are, are you, um, are you editing on an M1? I don't, I don't have one actually. Oh, no, so no, I, just, I, I, just I have one, but like I'm literally using a $2,000, M1 MacBook to like watch Hulu at dinner. It's just, it's a travesty. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's going to be awesome in two years, but I think there's so much hype with the M1. It's like perfect. The battery life is amazing. I'll give it that. Um, but it's just like, oh, this is like 
you know, a new architecture and it's going to take some, some moments to catch up and get to the level that people were used to. But, um, again, uh, maybe someone gets computer and they choose, okay, maybe I'll just switch to final cut. Maybe I'll switch to resolve. I'm glad there's resolve. Cause I, I hate the, I hate the thing of, Oh, just use the software that's made by the same company that makes your computer. I hate that. Um, so, so I'm glad that resolve is, is kind of picking up the pace, but it's, yeah, I, I wish like the M1 when the M1 MacBook first came up, like I legitimately just like bought a tricked out one. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this me like going back to MacBook? And I'm like, no, still, still not there. But it's it's a good it's a good play for Apple. It makes sense because it's gonna make sense for 95 percent of the people who want one. And you know, it's true. I, I've started to forget about Premiere more and more as I'm like further away from having used it. And now uh, I'm in that position of like primary edits are in final cut and we still use resolve for actually more and more we're using resolve more often and like resolve is amazing and i think is going to become enormous soon like the fact that it's free and it's so good uh a lot more people are going to be using it um but i had kind of just forgot to take a look at you know what's premiere doing because these machines are they're more than enough to handle photoshop and lightroom even if they weren't fully optimized for the new uh architecture they we're running fine. Like, you know, the pro- the new M1 processor is so fast that it didn't matter that much if it was in emulation. Uh, whereas Premiere is just so heavy that, like, I, I imagine it does matter more. Like, you're more sensitive yeah. to that's uh, what's going on, 100%. Yeah, how it's running. Because even, because yeah. essentially, like, for me, and I imagine there's some people out there who, like, use their laptop either as their main computer. I don't. But, um, like, you need to be able to do everything. You need to be able to open up Premiere. So that's why it's, like, those uh, – they're not called Ultrabooks, but just two-on-ones, you know, with Windows. Like, I can touch it. I can use OneNote. Um, I can be in Lightroom and, like, use a pen and do all those things. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's an Intel chip in there. It's an architecture that everyone's familiar with. So I can open up Premiere and and it works. Of course, I'm not going to be doing like super intense compressed 4K for my A7S3. I'll probably have to make proxies for that, but I can still do it. So I'm in a weird place with Apple where it's like, I love using my iPad, but more times than often, it just sits on my shelf because it's like, when I take a computer out with me, I need to be able to do everything. So now an M1 MacBook is kind of like an iPad to me without touch. So it's like completely pointless. Um, you know, when I have a laptop, I need to be able to open up Premiere. Even if I only do it 10% of the time, um, that has to be a requirement. So yeah, I'm kind of in a weird place where it's like, I like my iPad. The M1 MacBook is kind of pointless to me um, for those reasons. So so we'll see. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. Maybe I need that's to That's a really use good perspective more. to have. Yeah. No, I mean, good to know. Like, I hadn't been thinking about the premiere perspective so much lately. Um, and so I guess maybe I'll revise what I was saying of how good the product line is that we're on the verge <laughs> of it being really yeah. perfect. Like, you know, we're going to need the pro machines. Obviously, we're all still waiting for that. That's what I'm waiting for before I buy one. And we're going to need all of the software to catch up. You know, there's still audio plugins as well. Haven't all been ported over. So, um, you know, it was, I think, as clean of a of a move to a new architecture as we could hope Much for. Much better really. than a, but it's still not the Microsoft done. Surface ARM. Yeah. 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 It's like, right. is anyone <laughs> paying attention to that? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure not. <laughs> no. um, cool. So uh, w- w- what are your thoughts on an iMac 
for yourself? Is this something you'd actually use? Are you all about MacBooks or, or I guess laptops in general? Cause obviously you don't go back and forth PCs, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, this past year I, that's why I just kind of stopped making videos about laptops. Cause I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. So this isn't very interesting to me, but, um, I had an interesting year where, you know, my high power PC was at my office, but I was going to my office less. And the thing I had at my apartment was an iMac 5k with an i9. It was fairly souped up and, you know, that did well for me. Like for A7S footage, I did have to make proxies for like every single video if I was doing 4K, which is annoying. Um, but it was, it was like, it was good. Um, now I have this like tricked out Puget PC with like an AMD 32 core Threadripper, like a 3080. Cool. And it's just like, it's like rock and roll, man. Um, so in terms of like, I, I've said this in videos. I think, you know, the iMac 5K was some of the best value you could get, um, certainly in an all-in-one, because once you look at, like, PC all-in-ones, they're just so clunky and ugly, and you don't get a really good color-accurate display. So I I'm, I was a big fan of the iMac previous to this, um, and, you know, I think this will be a beautiful addition to hair salons who, you know, put it in the front to make appointments, um, and yeah, that's totally. what this is I mean- right now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is what it's the best for is being put yeah. into retail. Like it's going to look so good because you can match your It'll store. It'll look good for and, those yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I want an excuse to have one. I, I don't know if it'll make any sense for me. I always would have wanted the bigger screen. This would be a small one. Like this is also the sort of like, I also think about it from a creative perspective of like, I kind of want one just as not as a prop, but to be in the background of things like when we do photo shoots, when we are shooting video, YouTube videos, like anything, it's just like having something with a punch of color in the background can make a big difference. Like it's really, it's really nice. You know, like that family computer can be a lot less boring. So I want one. <laughs> awesome. I don't yeah. need one. I should, but. I should buy the orange one and just put it like right back here. Like don't even use it. It could just be like a paperweight. Yeah. I just, can turn it, turn it around when I want. Yeah. 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 Worth it. Totally worth it. Worth it. Um, Hashtag worth it. But yeah, at this moment, I'm probably not getting one. I need to finish my M1 MacBook review so I can sell that because I I did the mistake of like tricking it out of like two terabytes of SSD because um, yeah, I legitimately was like, oh, I can use this. Um, but it's become abundantly clear. It can't be my go-to laptop. So yeah, uh, I need to finish my bad. video so I can just sell it. I, w- I would recommend looking at Resolve some more. Like there, it's... There's so much there, even yeah. as a, a really dedicated Final Cut user. Like I love Final Cut, but I mean, I think everybody from all ends is looking at Resolve. Like, why don't we have these features? You know, from Premiere's end, it's like, why can't I do that? And from Final Cut's end, it's like, why can't I do that? Uh, which is nice that they're you just all there. Got me, all these options. Yeah, you know what got me on Resolve is there. There are so many things that were faster, and I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Like the fact that. Um, for motion and stuff, it's very, it encourages you to do motion of frames and zooming like in the program monitor, right? Like not go and do little keyframes and stuff. And I actually got really quick with that, but there was two things that I just could not get used to. One was the uh, syncing video and audio with external audio is a mess in Premiere. It's so easy. You just highlight the two, three video clips and the audio source right click synchronize and it does it perfectly. And then the second thing with resolve is the fact that you can't, when you're editing in a timeline, it is, it is super smooth. So it's kind of reminiscent of final cut in that way. Um, but you can't make edits while you're, while it's playing 
if that makes sense. Like, um, with podcasts and even with like maybe some of my more vloggy stuff, you know, I'll just hit the space bar and play and I'll like adjust the audio live. I'll be like, Oh, that needs to like fade in. And I'll literally like click the keyframes and the audio while it's playing resolve. You have to like press space bar again, make sure it's stop and then add keyframes. Um, so in premiere, it always gets crap for kind of being sluggish, but my favorite parts of premiere is like, it can be playing and you could be moving like video assets from over here to over here. You can be moving audio around. Um, I know that probably seems like too niche of a thing, but I, it's like, it's like how I edit. Right. Yeah. Once you get used to a certain way of doing it, then you can't have it taken away from you. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to hit on the IMAX. Oh yeah. Uh, anybody wondering about what the problem is with white bezels? Cause like there's a big reaction against like, ah, I, I just, it's great, but I wish there was black bezels. Um, it's not yeah, just aesthetic because the, the, the perspective that Apple came to this from, which I get is that most people looking for at the entry level computers, I don't think care or think about it. Um, it's all the people that bought white iPhones, which I always thought like, why do you want a white front on it? Like the gold back is beautiful, but I want a black bezel on everything. And the reason for that is that it's like, it's a better frame for viewing content. You wouldn't want to go to a movie theater with white frames around the outside of your movie. Like black vanishes more. It just, it, it lets the Especially content when stand it's out like, more. Yeah. When it's not on too, right? When yeah. you just have a phone, it's like, oh, you don't have like white chunks too. So even when it's <laughs> yeah. just sitting there. Yeah. So it's not that the white is ugly. It's that the white is less conducive to content. Less uh, functional. Yeah, exactly. So I think Apple chose to make the product look as good as possible when it's sitting in the store on display because it's going to sell more. And a lot of people don't think about this and will be totally fine with the white. So I think from Apple's perspective, it probably was the totally the right decision. I just want black for myself. So hopefully we get that on the next one. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the, the future machines. Yeah, no, the next WD, WDC, that's the that's the one, which I, I wish it was going to be in person. This episode is brought to you by Mixkit, which is a great place to get free assets for your next video or creative project of any kind. Whatever it is you're doing, you can just download free videos, photos, templates for After Effects, Premiere, Final Cut, Resolve, whatever it is you use. And they also have sound effects. This sounds... Pretty amazing, right? You just show up on the website and start downloading stuff and you're allowed to use it. I mean, maybe you already thought that's how the internet works. Sometimes I talk to people and they're like, oh, I can just Google search images and put those in my presentations and make that. No, you don't own any of that stuff. You don't have the license to it. But Mixkit gives you the license so you can use this stuff however you want to in either professional or personal use. Doesn't matter. They've got videos of travel, cities, drone shots, nature, tons of stuff. And their video templates include customizable files like transitions, kind of everything you're going to need. I mean, it's super helpful. And best of all, it's free. So you're going to go to mixkit.co slash r the letter R slash Stallman, mixkit.co slash R slash Stallman, or click the link in the description. And thanks again, Mixkit, for sponsoring the show. Yeah. We did get a little bit more, though. We got iPad Pros, um, some bigger updates than I expected. I like, I thought there'd be like a nice little hardware bump, but this is always the machine that is so overspec that I don't know what to do with it. Like, I don't know how to really 
properly use everything inside of it. And they did it again, like even more. Some of these upgrades, I'm like, who can put this to use? It's yeah. just so much going people, on in there. Yeah, I have, you know, a 11 inch iPad Pro from 2019. And I'm like, I don't feel the need to upgrade. It's not sluggish. It's a good problem to have, right? Um, obviously, the the XDR display will be great for people. And I think the the biggest thing, and I don't use an iPad as a computer, so I don't need this, but that Thunderbolt, having Thunderbolt, having full, you know, being able to plug into an external monitor and it to take up the full display is huge for people because people want to use their iPad as their main computer, right? And I think that in, enables more people to do that. So that's probably the the biggest thing. But yeah, like it's so funny to like, okay, now the M1's in there. Oh, so much more powerful. But it's like, it was already so powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good already. Um, what do you yeah. use your iPads for? Like, what do you actually do? What tasks do you find it most useful for? Yeah. I mean, I used it more again when I was like out and about and I would actually use it as a second display. There's this, even when I was uh, using Windows laptops, there's an app called, what's it called? There's an app where you can use it as a second display on a Windows computer. Um, so that's always fun to have, you know, if I'm at a hotel just to have a second display or, you know, watching content, writing notes in OneNote. Um, but I am not, I am definitely not the key demographic um, because now that I barely travel at all anymore, I do, like don't use it at all, like barely at all. Um, so I'll, I'll use it now that you know, I have this like good PC setup. I'll use it like for writing notes in OneNote. Um, but that's annoying too. Cause it's like, like I love handwriting notes in OneNote, but I have so much stuff on my desk already. I haven't found like a good iPad stand for it to go up to like, okay, it's up now. I can watch content. I can scroll on Twitter. Let's bring it down to write notes. Um, so I think for me, it's just hard to put it in my workflow because it also feels like awkward at my like at home desk setup, if that makes sense. I, I was used to just like traveling with it and like watching Netflix on the plane, writing notes if I had an idea, using it as a second display with my laptop, even if it was a Windows computer. Um, so this past year, I'm kind of like, eh, it's cool. Yeah, it's, eh, I mean, I've never found it's really important use for me. Like, it's always the one thing that, like, if I'm going to leave something at home, it usually can be the iPad. Um, yeah. I did really enjoy it. And this is going to become a good professional use for it coming up. And I just did this the other day with our iPad Pro is during a photo shoot, we're shooting tethered into Capture One. Um, so the you know photos are going right onto the MacBook Pro. They're being stored and backed up onto other hard drives. But Capture One has a feature called Pilot that lets it stream the photos coming in to a remote iPad that is just on the Wi-Fi network. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, and we're trying to use to, like, it to, to rate the photos. Yes. So, the, I mean, this is super powerful. This is what we're doing. We're in a studio, and we just hand the iPad to the client. They can wander off. They can be wherever. Um, and... The hope we we're hoping they'll be able to rate the photos as they came through, and unfortunately, oh, Capture yeah. One kind of bugged out on us, and it didn't work as planned. But they were able to like preview the things that are coming on their own screen, see them really big. And now, what's going to be interesting about this is the screen. So we didn't talk about this yet, but the screen updates are really, really impressive. Like this is now a very truly HDR screen. Apple's calling it Super Liquid Retina. No, it's called Liquid Retina XDR. Um, which, I mean, you know, that would be great sort of for cheesy, those professional but... workflows. 
Yeah. yeah when you, like when you want those clients gonna, to see the best thing possible, it you know, see it in the better, best way possible. It'll look better than the MacBook screens, which is like, that's really weird. Why can't yeah. I? I want Apple this, loves I want their this iPad MacBook. Pros. Yeah. They do, yeah. But it, it, so yeah, it's got like 600 nits of, uh, I think, sustained brightness and a thousand of peak, which really is becoming like true HDR. Um, it's so yeah, when you're in that environment, either the photography thing I, I said, or uh, Frame.io also has a new feature called camera to cloud. And if you're using streaming plugins like Teradek stuff, so we have small HD bolts, which are Teradek compatible. Um, I don't, and you need some other stuff. I don't know exactly what. Somehow your signal is getting into a computer. Uh, now Frame.io will stream that video feed to everywhere that you want it. So that can both be remote production people that are in another city or at home. Um, but it also means everybody on set could have their own iPad viewing it in true HDR um, as they just like walk around wirelessly and they can like be rating shots as they come through, commenting on stuff. Um super powerful stuff and the fact that it'll be like the best monitor possible in those high-end environments is a big deal that's kind of niche but it's also really cool yeah. <laughs> yeah and if they keep doubling down on these niches i think they're gonna have really happy customers who you know zero in on those things so it's it's weird to i feel like i'm always being talked to as a creator but it's weird to be in this place with apple and being like ah I feel kind of awkward with these products because usually I, I speak from the heart, you know, how they would apply right, in my yeah. life. So I have to kind of put on the cap of other people like, okay, my fiance, John, who draws in procreate and is a big person like that. Okay. Like let's look through your lens for the iPad. Okay. You're a final cut editor. Let's review the M1 MacBook, you know, with the cap on that. I'm like a final cut editor who uses, uh, you know, uh, all of these apps that are native um, to the M1, not necessarily these these things that are trying to mold themselves like a lot of the Adobe products into something that it's not yet comfortable on. So um, great for very specific people. And I think they're on the right track. <laughs> I, I did get one of the features wrong, by the way. It's, it's, a, it's a thousand nits full screen brightness and 1600 peak, which is suddenly a lot better than what I just said a minute ago. But <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it, same here, but so my, my wife uses the drawing stuff. Sometimes I can't draw, so, you know, it's no good to me, but, um, she's doing that right now for renovating. And so she's like, we're taking photos of the house and she's drawing on top of it. Like, here's the shape that the deck's going to be. And when you see that, you're like, oh, that's like an Apple commercial. Like, that's what they want you to be yeah, doing. Exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not always everybody that is actually able to do that. What did we miss? Uh, I mean, I know there's other small stuff that happened at the event, but uh, obviously, like, I, I was very consumed by the iMac stuff. That's what, like, got me going and got me excited. Oh, wait, one little feature. This is this is so narrow, but Apple TV, they replaced the remote. Great, right? It just needed that. Um, but the one feature that I think is really cool is being able to calibrate your TV with your iPhone. I don't know if it's worth going out and spending $200 on an Apple TV just to calibrate your, your, your TV. But, but I love this feature. Like this is, it's just, it's one of those things I'm like, yes, this, of course this is possible. You have a camera and sensors on your phone. The way that they show it in the demo is like you hold up your phone and you put it up against the TV so that the screens are facing each other. And it's, that's so interesting to me because like you've seen this happen with you've ever calibrated a computer monitor. Like that's how you put the sensor up against it and it's doing the same kind of thing. 
but I'm just like, oh yeah, like I I would like more accurate colors on my TV. It's not essential, but especially when I watch my own videos back, because that's what I. <clears throat> it's kind of like my final test after I make a video. I publish it usually before I see this. Then I go and put it up on the big 4K TV. I'm like, okay, how does this actually look? Like, what did I screw up here? Where are all the mistakes? Um, and that's for me, that's when color accuracy would be nice to be like, oh, I know what the best possible version of this actually looks like. Again, this is probably pretty niche, but I think it's cool. Yeah. And that's what Apple's good at. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we've been saying that a lot lately, especially yeah. with iPad yeah, yeah, Pro yeah, yeah. as well. <laughs> Very Apple, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so it depends on which products like, yeah, iPad is, is very niche. Apple TV, it's feeling like it's going more and more niche. Like I have Apple TV, the app built into all my TVs. So exactly. it's hard for now me they're on to imagine LGs that I'm going to spend this Samsungs. money. Mm-hmm. I will say the reason why I still use my Apple TVs is to have easy connection with um, AirPods yeah, right. to watch TV with right. AirPods. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, the AirPlay works better. Like I, I've on my LG, I do have AirPlay, but it's not as good. I mean, it it, it seems to be a little less seamless than uh, when I'm using an actual Apple product. What what kind of TV are you using now? Like, do you have opinions on TVs? Yeah. Um. Yes. I. So I have like a 77 inch LG OLED, which is beautiful, and a Samsung 8K QLED, which is 65. I wish it was actually a little bit bigger. Um. When it comes to 8K. Um. But yeah, those are those are fun because you you get both the flavors of OLED and QLED. Um. It's so funny. Like we've been wanting to watch that movie. It's like a Pixar movie that. Um, Oh, what is it, is it called? Soul? It's soul. Is it the... Yes. And I saw, I saw there's so much black in it with a black background. And I'm like, I refuse to watch that movie until I can watch it on my OLED. <laughs> so we still need to set it up in our, in our new space here. But, um, yeah, I don't have any, um, pressing opinions only that I really enjoy the Samsung QLED, um, because with OLED, you know, they always like to have screensavers up. They don't want an image to stay on the TV for too long. Cause you can have a little bit of that burn in, um, turns out if you're trying to use a TV as a little bit of an aesthetic background, that's terrible. Um, cause I use the, the Samsung, uh, they have such cool backgrounds that are just like slightly moving. Um, and they're not distracting at all. And I would use that actually as like a video background quite often. Um, but the OLED will always want to turn off or it'll have their backgrounds and you can only display their backgrounds, which is just like huge pictures, like moving every three seconds, which is really distracting. So that's again, a very niche reason to not prefer OLED because, um, people probably don't care what's on the screen when it's not there, but I just love the Samsung backgrounds. I think they look so great in a space because if you have people over, you're not watching TV, like you don't want just a black box on your TV, you know? And so Samsung has really great backgrounds to make it look like art. It's something I actually didn't really like about my LG, which most things I've been like over the moon. Like I really, really like it. It's the first time I've had a extremely nice TV. I've always just had, you know, good enough TVs before. Um, And yeah, mine's OLED as well, but it doesn't have nice art like that. Like I don't, I don't have a nice screen server. And that's actually something I missed from the Apple TV. When those like, those like 4k uh, video loops that Apple does, like the drone stuff is best in class. It's like, enough that's like to the have. best looking. Yeah. yeah. 
and but I don't have anything that good on mine, so I I I do find that missing. Um, and then th- like one other okay, this is I don't even know if I'd use it, but I don't like that it's missing. Is in Apple Fitness Plus, you're able to use an Apple TV the same way you can with like an iPad or an iPhone, where it's communicating with your Apple Watch and with um, the Apple Fitness stuff that you're doing, so that you're getting live feedback from it. And you can't do that if it's just the Apple TV app. You need the actual hardware to have that communication. Um, and like, it's it's just one of those sort of uh, like wanting to be an Apple completionist of like, ah, there's some features I can't take advantage of. It would be like I'm, I'm missing ten percent of the experience. So I like them to find more things like that. I like that type of feature. Those specific ones aren't actually very important, but um, I don't know. I've always got that that, that it, it's like you know, you just like wanting everything to be like in a straight line. It's like you want to have all of your ecosystem, you know, line up in a way that's like, yeah, I'm optimized all the way through. So, but they could do a few more of those things. Yeah. Apple. Yeah. They're always yeah. crushing it, but also so close on things. But I think that's oh, here's another company. one. That, the, here's another one that is going to be uh, a thing to think about is we've got a restriction on M1 computers in terms of ports so they've got two usb4 two thunderbolts i was disappointed with that on the imac yeah and then a big plus though is on the ipad now that one port has become thunderbolt and usb4 again not sure what i'm gonna do with it yet but it's cool like it's it's so frustrating (laughs) that i i it's like i want to get hyped up about these things if you tell me these things about a computer I'd be like, oh, amazing. Like, yeah, that's great because I'm going to use them all the time. And when it's on an iPad, it's like, great. Exactly. I'm going to stare at them and feel like I'm letting my computer down by not doing heavy yeah, enough Yeah, I'm going to just watch Netflix in my bed for hours on this. And that's the only thing <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use it for. But it'll be real HDR now. So at least exactly. you know, Netflix will look better. Exactly. Um, I am, I'm really glad to see this, this move, though, this like Thunderbolt USB 4 unification, which promises to fix some of the issues we've had in the past with USB 3 and Thunderbolt, mm-hmm. which has sucked. You know, I hate mm-hmm. that the, the like default white cable that comes with my Mac doesn't pass data through it, which I think a lot of people don't even realize. Like it's only power. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything yeah. else. So if you're like, which I've been in this situation a few times where I'm like, Oh, like I got to just transfer a few things off a drive, but I don't have a, a cable around. Oh, of course I have a cable right here. It's my power cable. It yeah. doesn't do it. It doesn't do anything. It's like, yeah. are you kidding me? I didn't even think about that. There's no yeah. label on it. Yeah. That stuff drives me nuts. But, um, I, there are elements of USB four that are hopefully will, um, fix some of this. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, I think that's the event. We got all the, the important things. That's good job, I Apple. had in my notes. Yeah, good, good job, us. For, good job for on the videos. I'm always a fan. So, what about you? What What's going to be next in your life now that you're in Texas? I mean, huge move. You're in New York for yeah. years. You're not anymore. Years. Um, yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where I'm I'm pumped. Like already, I think my human is better. I'm just close to family, and it's it's um, it's good to have that stability in such a weird, weird year. Um, but I didn't anticipate, I should have taken like two months off of work. Um, because moving cross country 
into a new space. Um, I'm so used to like small apartments in New York. We now have like a two bedroom plus like a den area. So it's almost like a three bedroom. Um, so we have more space making, making it, you know, work for YouTube work for life is actually like a way bigger challenge than I thought. So, um, still trying to figure out the setup and everything and also do my job at the same time has actually been kind of a mess. So talk to me in a couple months and I'm sure everything will be hunky dory and great. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You can't judge it while you're in the middle of unpacking boxes. That's not, not <laughs> yeah. a good time to evaluate how well it's going, but, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I totally but yeah it's, that. it's, it's good and, to good for a change. Yeah. Well, and it'll open up new doors as well. Like there's things you'll be able to do. You couldn't before. Um, exactly. uh, listening, uh Colin Smear, we're talking to Mr. Beast about what, how like North Carolina affected his channel, like being in a smaller, more rural area. And he's like, Oh yeah. Like I couldn't be doing the types of videos I do. Cause like yeah, I can have warehouse space. Like, yeah. Like you can do so much. There's just so much space and the people watching don't really know or care where you're coming from. So it depends what type of content you produce where, you know, New York has this huge advantage or, you know, any of the big cities where you can walk out the door and something is interesting right in front of you. So, you know, I'm in Calgary, which is actually, you know, feel it's like a cold Texas. Um, but there is that same thing of like, if you want something great to shoot, you kind of have to like create it or uh, work for it a little more. Whereas if you're in LA or New York, you just, you just go outside and like things are cool and nice and there's just stuff around you to film. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's like the experience, the difference I find between them. So you got, you yeah, got to go I found like, myself shooting inside. Yeah. Like I was shooting inside so much that I was like, it doesn't matter where I am, you know? Right. And like, also we're in like a very central place. So we still have like a cool downtown area. Um, there's more direct nature. Um, people are always like, Oh, well you have central park. And even if you're living like, I know 25 blocks away doesn't, you know, if central park is, you know, like 60th and us at one point we're living at four. Well, I, I sounded Texan right there living. Uh, we were living at 40th. Um, and people probably think, Oh, that's like, you're so close. But like when you're busy and you're like tired from the day, taking the subway or walking 20 blocks, it's just like, it is a chore. It's like a major chore. So the access to nature too, and having cars, a car here is, is huge. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, walking, I just gotta walking get 20 blocks to go for a walk. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, last thing I wanted to hear from about you is what, what's your camera situation right now? How, how are you feeling with your camera setup? A seven S three. Um, I nice. just, I, I love it so much. Uh, it's funny. I've had a few comments recently, like, Sarah, you haven't really talked about the A7S three. And I'm like, my initial video on it is all you need to watch. I, it's everything that we ever wanted, period. Maybe I can talk about the Kodaks being a nightmare to, to edit and premiere, but like really it's, it's, uh, you know, 4k. It looks beautiful. The standard picture profile now looks beautiful. Sony colors are now great, which is something I never thought I would say. Like I love the standard profile. That's what I'm using right now. And so, um, it's, I tested out the FX six recently. Um, so I definitely, it's just so when you're used to shooting on hybrids and you go to something like that, it's just like, it makes so much sense. I don't know why people give crap about the menus too. Cause I was like, this is really easy. Like you have all these physical buttons, the quick menu you can touch. Um, 
I actually liked the menu. I don't know. I think that's one of those opinions that one person says and then people just like copy other people's opinions because I was expecting it to be a nightmare. Like, oh my God, everyone hates the FX6 menus compared to the A7S III. And I'm like, I like them more because there's more of a focus. There's, I, I, I don't know. So one day, once I'm done like spending money on our, our condo, maybe I'll on purchase life, an yeah. FX6. Yeah, because life is expensive right now. Yeah, I hear that. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I still haven't shot with an A7S III. I just, there hasn't been Ugh. one around me at all. So I haven't had any opportunity to use it's it. It's everything. But that's what I hear. Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks amazing. And like all of Sony's lineup is so good right now, which is frustrating because I've been, I just haven't been shooting any Sony's for the last year because I sort of doubled down on my Canon ecosystem. But I also miss, I mean, Sony's awesome too. You were also talking about Black Magics the other day. Are you yeah. actively using them at all? or? So they are. It's so funny because um, like I love their cameras, but I use them only for a very, very specific purpose. So I have had Blackmagic's for like literally a decade. I mean, I started with the original Blackmagic Pocket Cinema camera when the battery was crap. Well, the battery has always been crappy, but those original Pocket cameras, because they were so small, um, they had a ton of issues. They were so finicky, but man, the image you got out of them was just astounding for the price. Um, so I've always been a huge fan of the their pocket cinema camera line and i've yet always had them and so i've um you know i have three of them and uh whether it's like a three camera podcast setup or an interview where it's locked off you don't have to worry about autofocus i use those for all always for that purpose so um even if i don't use them for like six months i found so much value in just having three of the same camera for you know easy post-production as well getting the same look for three person camera interviews because i always end up needing that needing that at least once or twice per year and that might not seem like enough to have a setup like that but because they are cheap cinema cameras i feel like it's perfect for that purpose because even right now i only have a sony a7s3 and a a6400 um because i had a lot of random sony cameras and i needed to just like focus it um and so that that does the purpose for like a two cam setup for my youtube stuff it has good autofocus and stuff but it goes a long way to have the same exact cameras and to have three of them yeah two of the same brand never match as well as you imagine they would like even if they yeah. have the same color profiles, the sensors it's are not, different. Yeah. It does and look different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I could talk about this forever and I do have to peace out because I have another meeting. But the, the last thing I will say is I loved the FX6 so much for the physicality of it, for, uh, you know, the things you could plug in, the way you can hold it, the physical buttons, all the things, um, everything, all of the Sony cameras now with the a7S III with the update, you can have S Cinetone on it. Um, but even matching s cinetones with the a7s3 fx6 it has the same sensor it has the same processor they still look different um the standard profiles from them because i was like oh i want to when i'm streaming i need a good standard profile um it looked the still profile in the fx6 looks so different than the standard so that's why i was kind of annoyed because i'm like i don't have the time right now to like figure out a perfect LUT to load into the FX6 that matches the A7S. So I'm like, I'm not going to spend $6,000 to get something that works like halfway and I'll have to spend like a month figuring out. So colors, guys, it doesn't matter if it's a fancy cinema camera, like matching things and having just the same camera goes a long way if you're doing stuff like that. 
Yeah, that can be the most important thing. Well, I won't keep you any longer. You got to run, Sarah. Thank we you need so do, much. We for need to do a part here. two where we like only talk about cameras because now I'm I, jazzed up. I, I feel like I'm I just could trying talk to not forever. make that every episode. It's like all I yeah, I know. I'm like that too. That's all I want to talk about. There's so many good ones too. So it's been a good year. Yeah. Um, well, but we'll anybody that's not already following Sarah, perfect. now's the time. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Once you have like your setup locked down and I mm-hmm. have a streaming setup that I don't have to set up from scratch every time. Yeah. We'll come back. Thanks for having me. This is fun. I love talking here. Thanks, Sarah.